Hello. We are excited to introduce to you Gregory Geffen, Esquire of Geffen Law Firm. We are thrilled to introduce him as our expert today in all things law in South Florida. How are you, Greg? Welcome. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Always good to, to be here. Greg and I have known each other, Serena, for at least, I would say, probably as long as I'm doing this, 23 years. He was the in-house counsel at my last uh, real estate firm. So we just bonded and we formed a special um, relationship. And in real estate, you always want that kind of relationship for your clients. So I always felt comfortable with Greg um, because he always took a practical approach to resolving problems if there were issues or problems. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's uh, uh, after you've been around here a while, you, you, as the, the commercial uh, says, you know, you know a thing or two because you've seen a thing or two. And, um, you know, I, I take it to heart that solving problems and trying to help people, uh, the answers are not always set forth in the four corners of the contract, that sometimes you have to be a little bit practical and a little bit pragmatic uh, when there's people involved and emotions are involved, especially when it comes to residential real estate and people making transitions and changes in their life. So um, I try to look just beyond what what's on the paper uh, and see what somebody's actual needs are in order to, to get a deal done and, and to, to make them happy. And, and to have everybody happy in one of these situations. The number one question I always get, especially from the Northeastern clients, because they're always represented by counsel, Colby, do I need a lawyer? So that's our first question, Greg. You tell me the answer to that so they, the people could hear it from you. Okay. Well, the answer is yes, but <laughs> otherwise <laughs> it's a very short podcast. So, um, you know, it, it smacks of self-interest Whenever somebody asks me, you calls me up and says, I was referred to you by so-and-so, I was referred to you by Colby. Do I really need a lawyer in South Florida or, you know, to, to handle my closing? I know a lot of my, my friends and, and family have closed deals down here uh, without a lawyer. But up north, nobody would do anything. Nobody would even you know, sign anything or, or even uh, look at a contract without a lawyer involved. So I'll, I'll briefly explain the difference and I'll, I'll try to explain why I think it's, it's the right move is to hire somebody, um, depending on whether you're the buyer or the seller, you know, what the circumstances are. So in other jurisdictions, particularly up north, like New York and New Jersey, uh, real estate agents are not permitted to write contracts. It's, it's, they interpret that as the unlicensed practice of law. And they have some promulgated forms, but those forms are really from the Bar Association and not necessarily from real estate agents. Down here, you don't necessarily need a lawyer to write a contract because as long as you or your colleagues are using the Florida Association of Realtors promulgated forms, um, you're not practicing law. Um, and it specifically states on those forms, this is a legally binding contract. If you have any questions or need interpretation, you know, please see and speak to an attorney. Um, so there's a lot of agents that, you know, for whatever purpose, you know, don't necessarily recommend a lawyer because they're going to go ahead and muck things up and, and over lawyer it and, and over, you know, generate a lot of unnecessary language and, and, and tear through the contract. And that's not necessarily my job. You know, my job is to help you understand what you're signing and making sure that it, it works for you. So people always say to me, hey, Greg, you know, this seems pretty boilerplate. Do I really need you? What are we going to do? 
I'm going to say, yeah, it is boilerplate. Everything's normal. Everything's customary and everything appears to be in order, but that doesn't necessarily solve your specific questions or your specific issues. So most of the time, my job is merely to reinforce what a client's rights and responsibilities are when it comes to interpreting a contract and also uh, to be there with a file open and ready to react in case an issue happens, in case something happens. Um, that's the, you know, it's almost like having some type of peace of mind insurance is to get somebody like me involved to assist you and in, in walk you through the process. It is one of the largest transactions that, or personal transactions that the majority of people make in their lives is buying or selling a home. Um, so they might as well have somebody for the, for the relatively small fee involved, uh, review the documents, make sure that everything appears to be correct be on the lookout for any mistakes that the other title company or the other lawyer might be making that you don't want to have to spend time clearing up after closing. Um, and, you know, being there to make sure that your client's rights are preserved. And, and that's what I do on a, on a day in day out, day out basis. So hire Greg for that peace of mind and um, all of that practical advice. Fantastic. And, and, and a lot of clients seem to find, and agents seem to find that, um, what was the joke from uh, Danny DeVito in one of those movies? I think it was um, Other People's Money, where he said, lawyers, they're like nuclear warheads. They have theirs. I have mine. And as long as we keep them in the silos, there's detente. That is true. Sometimes, sometimes I'm upset that the other side doesn't have a lawyer because I, there would be somebody unemotional that I could speak to and reason with uh, than an agent who's emotionally invested in the deal or a client that's, you know, that's obviously very emotionally invested in the deal. There are two, there are a lot of different kinds of contracts out there. Sure. A, a lot of people right now in today's world are writing as is contracts. Sure. Can you explain to people maybe the pros and cons with an as is or not as is? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, down here in Florida, most of the contracts are written on the Florida Bar and Florida Association of Realtors promulgated forms. And um, they don't change too much year over year. Sometimes we just had a major revision concerning financing and other things. But, you know, there's always the fork in the road as to whether or not you go with an as-is contract or a what I'll call an inspection contract where you, this, you, you go to contract, uh, you do an inspection, and then you provide the sellers required to make certain structural or, or functional repairs, not cosmetic, but, but structural functional repairs up to a certain percentage of the purchase price. And uh, neither party could cancel unless uh, the repairs exceed a certain amount. Um, and, they, and the parties can't negotiate some type of, of compromise. In an as-is contract, uh, the parties agree that, that the buyer's buying the property as-is. The buyer cannot force the seller to make any repairs that come up um, but the buyer does have what I call a free bite at the apple, meaning that they have seven to 10 or 15 days, whatever uh, amount of time the parties agree on to decide that the part that the property is suitable to do their due diligence and decide if the property is suitable and they can cancel for any reason with or without an inspection. So that seems to be the standard that most agents are working with these days. Um, and there's pros and cons to each contract. Uh, but we've just basically accepted that the as is is the is basically the benchmark standard for people to use. 
Um, you know, the pro is that if you're working with a buyer uh, that's somewhat maybe maybe on the fence, but just want you know in this market wants to see if they're going to get an accepted offer on a property, um, and might want to just you know be able to take a pause once they were able to work out a price and go to contract and take a look at things. Um, you know, that's an advantage for the buyer that they do have an out, a free bite at the apple. Um, it's also an advantage for the seller because he doesn't have to be forced to make a lot of Mickey Mouse uh, repairs uh, on a house when, when a lot of that stuff is already baked into the to the cake, you know, financially. Um, but, you know, it does have its downsides, too. It's, you know, you might be you're tying up a property for maybe a buyer that's that's maybe not acting um, genuinely and maybe making multiple offers just so they could tie up some property. That's always a risk uh, that you could be wasting some time um, in this market. Uh, but that seems to be uh, the standard. Um, you know, the advantage of an inspection and cancellation, an inspection contract is that once you have an offer that you both agreed on, the buyer's locked. And as long as the seller's willing to do those repairs and, and perform the repairs, whatever comes up on the inspection report, you know, that the buyer's locked, they can't cancel. So, uh, you know, that's something to certainly consider when you're negotiating, particularly if you have multiple offers on the table and maybe you want to take an offer from a buyer that's um, that you, you're willing to accept. Maybe it's not as financially strong as the next offer, but maybe this offers cash and there's no financing contingency. Uh, and maybe they have a closing date that's a little bit more acceptable to you. So you might want to consider, depending on what condition the house is in, of doing a non-as-is with the right to cancel contract. Um, but it seems to be that, that the non-as-is contract is more of the, the exception than the rule these days. So, you know, that's the time to maybe speak to you as your agent, maybe speak to somebody like me and figure out what's works, you know, what works best for all the parties. Hope I answered that question good. That's great. Well, I think that's kind of getting into one of our big like questions about other risks, right? So there was this question about risks that a buyer could um, could foresee um, when submitting cash offer, um, but then they also want to get financing. So that was like one of you know just among the many risks that um, buyers can kind of anticipate. We all know what's going on in the market right now. Um, it's it's a very strong market from the standpoint of the sellers, and it's very hard uh, for a buyer to um, jump in in between the low inventory and and the escalating prices and and bidding wars in certain communities. Uh, it's very hard for a buyer uh, to nudge their way in. So a lot of sellers are demanding cash contracts. Uh, a cash contract doesn't necessarily mean that you can't get financing. Um, but it does mean that it does mean that that any uh, financing issues, you as the buyer bear all the risk in a cash contract, appraisal issues, qualification issues, uh, things like that. Um, so, you know, you have to a buyer has to you know, make some very strong decisions as to how much they want to risk. And, and perhaps, you know, that as is contract, you know, if, if there is going to be a reasonable due diligence period. Um, you know, in a cash contract, you know, maybe they could escalate certain things relative to their financing that they could vet during this interim due diligence period, such as, you know, getting an appraisal, checking with the bank, checking with the bank to make sure that they could underwrite the type of loan in this type of community, particularly if it's a condo. So a buyer could use that due diligence period, you know, to decide if it's going to work with them and if they're going to risk 
their deposit on the financing failing. So, you know, most of most of the buyers that I work with, you know, that write cash, cash contracts, you know, the first question I ask them is if, if, if I know they're getting a loan, you know, if the loan doesn't happen on time, you know, are you prepared to close cash? Do you have the resources, whether it be get, getting an equity line on your current home? You know, do you have the resources to close cash? I don't want to have to have this conversation with you 30 days from now, 45 days from now. So, for example, on, on some contracts, I'll have the seller stipulate that this is an all cash deal. There's no financing contingency. However, the parties acknowledge that the buyer is getting financing and the seller will cooperate with buyer's lender. Uh, without there being a specific contingency. So, for example, the seller will allow the buyer's lender's appraiser to come to the property and perform an inspection and an appraisal. Uh, the seller will you know, sign any loan documentation that the buyer's lender needs, participation from the seller, in order to be compliant with whatever government regulations and um, you know, FINRA and, 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 and TRID uh, govern the, uh, the closing. So things like that is, you know, we have to anticipate. Yeah, that, that really hit on a lot. Um, I have one more, Greg. I know we, we said three, but I have one more that always, this always comes up. And Serena, it's very funny. People always think that they can either do a regular check or a cashier's check when you are going to the closing table. Greg, set this, set this right now so people understand you have to wire funds for a closing. Why is that? Yeah, well, <laughs> what, what, what happened is that we used to be able to take cashier's checks. And then a couple of things happened. Number one, there was a lot of cashier's check fraud that was happening uh, in, in you know, the last real estate crisis. And um, there, it was also determined that um, a cashier's check is not collected funds. The contract that your client signed, Colby, specifically states that the cash to close has to be by wire transfer or other collected funds, which means, you know, they hand me a cashier's check at closing, I still have to deposit it with the bank. And the bank needs to, my bank needs to clear it with the client's bank. Um, cashier's checks could be stop paid. And, and I haven't specifically seen it, but I've, I've seen it happen before, where maybe, um, you know, a, a title company's handed a cashier's check, we do the closing. And then the client goes back to the house and realizes that there's a problem and the client feels that the only way to solve the problem is to stop the closing. So what do they do? They immediately call their bank that issued them the cashier's check and said, there's a problem. I need to put a stop pay on this cashier's check. So that would mean that, that Greg Geffen or whatever other title company does not have collected funds that they could disperse on. That's why best practices now calls for a wire transfer. However, there's been a lot of problems with wire transfers over the last uh, over the last number of months. I, I'm, I've been privy to some very specific problems uh, with email. Uh, there's email hacking schemes, and there's um, people that get fished and spoofed, and uh, people they think they're dealing with somebody from the title company that sends them a, a, a wire instructions and you know instructions that they have to wire it today, or otherwise they're going to you know it's not going to clear in time for closing, and they don't follow up with it and you know, there's there's significant consequential problems. So you guys are, are, are should be well trained on how to prevent wire fraud and how to verify wires. And I think FAR even has a wire fraud disclosure that each client has to sign. So, you know, that's been a lot of the pushback that I've been getting lately about wires. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first. So Colby is not a lawyer. 
<laughs> I sell real estate, but if you do want a lawyer, tell them, Greg, tell them how, how can they reach you if they want to hire you? Sure. Uh, well, they could call my, our, our office number at Gaffin Law is uh, 561-988-0088. Uh, they could email me at greg at geffenlaw.com. I'm sure you'll be able to put a little caption in there by the time this airs. Uh, or you could go to my website, which is www.geffenlaw.com. I've been doing this in town for 25 years. Uh, I've run a team of about uh, 12 or 13 people, uh, including five closers and a uh, associate attorney who's uh, becoming a partner. So after uh, April or May, it's going to be called Geffen Werber Law Group. I'm happy to bring my, my partner, Ben Werber, into the uh, into becoming a name partner and help me uh, you know, work these closings here in South Florida like we've been doing for a number of years already. Thank you for being here. And of course, we'll be reaching out to you in the future with more questions. Thanks so much. For